Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, we are here to tell you, no one will save you. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. Survivor's back. We'll talk about the premiere episode, and we may get a reboot of one of the most popular shows of the last 20 years. Plus... We'll tell you what other new shows are coming your way over the next week, and review the first episode of The Continental. I want to start with what's new at the movies this weekend because it's actually a pretty busy weekend. And in July, of course, we had Barbenheimer, both Barbie and Oppenheimer being released the same weekend. This weekend, we've got what some are jokingly calling Saw Patrol, a combination of two movies involved, although there is a third one that looks pretty cool as well. But let's start with the Saw component of that title because on one hand... Uh, decidedly unfamily friendly, and it is time to go back to the Saw Nematic Universe. Hello, madam. Dr. Gordon. I want to play a game. So, in 2004, a super low budget movie comes out named Saw. It's about a lunatic who kidnapped a couple of guys, trapped them in a dingy bathroom, and their only escape was to, and listener discretion advised, saw their leg off to get out. And each year through 2010, a sequel and another sequel and another sequel was released. And then we didn't hear anything until 2017 with the eighth movie, Jigsaw. And then again in 2021 with Spiral from the Book of Saw. That's the one with Chris Rock. And now we have Saw X. The cancer is still spreading. I'm afraid there's nothing else we can do. There is one person who might be able to help. Our program is a two-pronged treatment outside Mexico City. The results have been stunning. She saved my life. You're in very good hands with us. After that, what happens then? Your whole life happens then. John Kramer. According to these scans, the tumor was never removed. How much time do I have? Months, at best. I still have a lot of work that needs to be done. So the timeline here is this movie takes place weeks after the first movie. The producer kind of sees this as the new Saw 2. And that's about all the time I'm going to spend trying to wrap my brain around the timeline because who cares? Like, if you're going to see this, you're going to see violence and mayhem and pain. And I don't know that I even have the stomach for this kind of thing anymore. I remember seeing Saw 3 in theaters. I enjoyed it, but I screamed out loud multiple times. I was like, good old JR in the WWE. Good God! Good God! Will somebody please stop the damn film? But you heard in the clip, he had cancer. Thought it was cured. Turns out, they lied. Hello, everyone. It's time to play a game. You all pretended to cure me. But what I have planned for each of you is very real. The only thing I have not provided is your anesthetic. But trust me, you will want to remain alert. So, yada, 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 people are kidnapped and thrown into torture machines, and they can escape, but at tremendous and personal cost and pain. 
This is not retribution. It's a reawakening. So from the start, these movies became increasingly elaborate and for a time increasingly gory. They're all gory, but they got super gory and then they started to scale it back after the fourth one, I think. Uh, They did continue to become more elaborate, though, and thus more ridiculous. The first movie was good, I think. Some of the sequels were decent, some were not. I've seen the first seven of these films. I can't remember if I saw the eighth one, Jigsaw. I started to watch the ninth one, Spiral. But I stopped before I could really get going. I just wasn't in the mood for it. And uh, like I said, I don't know that I have the stomach anymore. Teenage Brett would be all in, which is silly because these movies are not made for teenagers. Anyway, another Saw movie. Let the blood times roll. Live or die. Make your choice. I suspect I know the answer to this, but have yeah, you seen no, any no, of these no, movies? No, no, no. I have, though, read the Wikipedia pages for the first seven, <laughs> I think it was. I don't know why. I was just like, how can they keep, where does the story go from here? And I was, yeah, there was nothing in any of those Wikipedia pages that made me want to watch it. I've seen a little bit of a clip from the first one uh, of the big reveal at the end because I saw that in the Wikipedia page. And I was like, ooh, that's actually a really cool twist. I like that. Yeah. But no, it's just... Uh, way that the gore would be in these movies, I I just couldn't take it. Now, I'm shocked to tell you this as we record this on Thursday afternoon and the reviews are just starting to come in for this movie, but as of 36 reviews in on RottenTomatoes.com, it's at 83%. Wow. Which is insane for a Saw movie. So this might actually, if you like the Saw movies, this might be worth it. And hopefully this is like the end of the line for the Saw movies. But if it makes a lot of money, of course, they'll figure out a way to keep going or if it wins oscars based on those reviews <laughs> yeah also this weekend something that is actually for the kids paw patrol the mighty movie when our world is threatened one team is ready to launch did he say lunch uh no i said launch This is the second theatrical film. The first one came out in 2021, Paw Patrol, the movie. The TV series debuted in 2013. I've never watched anything Paw Patrol, but I understand it puts the paw in paw-renting. Because LOL, here you go, kids. Watch TV while mommy and daddy go to Rumtown. But I got to tell you, this movie looks fun. So I guess the Paw Patrol are a team of crime-fighting pups who encounter a meteor crash in Adventure City. It's giving off some kind of energy. I didn't do it. No way. This September. I think we've got superpowers. And that's why I wear a hard hat. I feel the need for super speed. I'm a wrecking ball. Surf's up. <laughs> Look at your paws. Now the clumsy pup shoots fireballs out of his paw. That's right. Even the Paw Patrol has invaded the superhero multiverse of movie madness. The meteor spits out these magic crystals that give them superpowers. So now they need a new name. A new breed of heroes. Superpowers are real. Hits the big screen. We're going to need a new name for ourselves. How about the Paw Patrol? But more. But just a little bit extra. Yeesh. How about the Mighty Pups? 
It seems, however, those powers should have gone to someone else. Those should be my superpowers. Coming in hot. I'm gonna take them one by one. <gasps> oh my goodness! I can talk! <laughs> I have so much to say! Give me that. That was the voice of Chris Rock, by the way, as a cat. He briefly got his paws on one of the crystals, and it gave him the ability to speak. And then the villain took it away from him. Victoria Vance, voiced by Taraji P. Henson. Anyway, the Mighty Pups have some have to save the day or something. Who cares? This looks like mighty fun. It's so fun. Well, well, well. Humdinger. He looks different than I remember. <laughs> You go up against one of us, you go up against all of us. Let's go! You go against one of us, you go against all of us, because Paw Melia. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Living yeah. the Paw Patrol a quarter mile at a time. Uh, your girlfriend's <laughs> got kids. I can't remember how old they are, but has Paw Patrol ever been part of Paw your Patrol life? Paw Patrol has been a huge part of our lives for a little while, several years ago. The youngest is now aged out of it. She's 10. But when she was, I think it was her sixth or maybe seventh birthday, all she asked for and all she got from everybody were Paw Patrol gifts. Really? Everything. Yeah. It was just like 100%. It was, she was just obsessed with it. And now she's just like, yeah, Paw Patrol's for babies. Oh, <laughs> oh she's in that phase of her life where she's yeah. rejecting it and yeah, yeah, yeah. she'll come back to it in a few years. But uh, that movie is at 85%. And up next, we're going to tell you about... This really cool new sci-fi that's out this weekend that taps into something that a lot of people are scared about right now. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes, telling you about what's new at the movies this weekend. It's a pretty busy weekend. We have Saw X. We have Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. And another new one this weekend. It's a new and original movie. And while it's about a familiar subject, Humans Against Machines, Maybe more relevant than ever because of all the discussions about AI we're hearing these days, artificial intelligence, from the director of Star Wars Rogue One, Gareth Edwards, and starring the son of Denzel Washington, John David Washington, we have the creator. Ten years ago today, the artificial intelligence created to protect us detonated a nuclear warhead in Los Angeles. This is a fight for our very existence. Sergeant Taylor, we are this close to winning the war. But the AI are developing a super weapon. Retrieve it. Or they win. Set in the future, during a war between the human race and artificial intelligence, we meet Joshua, played by Washington. He's an ex-Special Forces agent who's recruited to hunt and kill the creator, the architect of advanced AI. The creator has developed a mysterious weapon that could end the war and humankind. Did you locate the weapon? Yeah, it's just a kid. Are you going to heaven? No. You gotta be a good person to go to heaven. So, we're the same. We can't go to heaven, because you're not good. And I'm not a person. Do you have anything to do with the thing is? She looks like a little girl now, but she's growing. Whoever has that kid wins the war. 
So they discover the weapon is in the form of a young child. So what will they do? I think this looks cool. It looks original and fresh, which means it could potentially fail because it's not a sequel or a rehash, and that just makes me sad. Execute her, or we go extinct. They're coming to get me. It's at 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. So, yeah, three wildly different options, but all yeah. three, I think, are, are actually quite in, intriguing in their own sense. Uh, I would like to watch The Creator at some point. I don't know if I'll make it out to the theater, but at some point I'm definitely going to check that out. I like John David Washington a lot, and this is the last movie. Oh, he's in some Netflix movie. I can't remember the name of it, which was okay. And then he was in Tenet, of course, a couple yeah. of years ago, which we hated. So hopefully hopefully he gets into something that uh, really connects with people because he's a good actor. I hope to see a lot more of him. He was also in that football show a few years back on HBO with The Rock. Oh, uh, Ballers. Ballers right. Yeah, he had a... And I remember watching it. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was Washington's son. I thought, oh... <laughs> he's a really good actor, so yeah. no, no wonder he's got it's because he's got the genes. So what's happening with one of both of our favorite shows? Yeah, well, nothing's been confirmed at this point, but there have been rumors about a possible reboot of one of the most popular shows of the last twenty years, The Office. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Industry insiders say Greg Daniels is gearing up for a reboot of the NCBC sitcom that ran for nine seasons from 2005 to 2013. In the past, when he was asked about it, Daniels would suggest that the way to go would be to have a mix of new and old characters, which is pretty much what would have to happen anyways. I know a lot of those actors aren't doing anything better right now, but I can see them getting... I can't see them getting Steve Carell or John Krasinski back, uh, but never say never. I would rather it be all new characters. For one thing, the finale of The Office was damn near perfect, and it's just not upset that please and for another thing i think it's just easier to accept the new version uh if it's on its own merits rather than comparing it to the original one that'd be easier if uh, if there was all new people and not bringing some people back and forth and of course the steve carell version of the office was a remake from the british series so i always get apprehensive about these reboots and my initial act- reaction to this was an emphatic no no god <laughs> No, God, please, no, 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 no! It never gets old. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> but after thinking about it for a few days, I, I will say if it is all new characters, I think I'm, I'm for it. Uh, you know, part of the genius of the previous versions is just the simplicity of the premise. It's called The Office, and it's just about a group of people that work at an office. That's not the sort of thing that only has to be done once. And in fact, it's been done a lot over the years, even before The Office. Any, you know, workplace comedy pretty much qualifies. You could call a lot of different shows The Office. And uh, since The Office first aired, most sitcoms have been, you know, the single camera variety, and an awful lot of them have the talking head interview, mockumentary stuff going on. Abbott Elementary, for example, does it, and it's the best sitcom on TV right now. So, I mean, everything about The Office is something that's either been done a ton of times before and since anyways. So, I mean, why not go for this one more time? So, sure, if Greg Daniels is steering the ship, I say go for it. He knows what he's doing. I'd definitely check it out. Not interested a whole lot in catching up with the old characters. I say leave them behind and start from scratch if you're going to do this. I think Steve Carell had previously said, uh, like before this came out, just independently, like, uh, would you do a reboot or anything like that? And he said, well, I'd, I, I'd have no problem doing a reunion. 
in go. my house, <laughs> away from the camera, like there just have a party with yeah. the, with the old cast cast and crew, but not yeah. There's no way Carell comes back to this, and I don't see why people. I think both Jim and Pam have said no to ever come revisiting the office, no. so. They don't need to. They don't. And they ended it nicely and it ran for nine whole years and it sort of, you know, ran its course. So do it again, but start with uh, new characters. It feels like it's too early to be talking reboot. I feel like you got to wait yeah. at least 15 years. I can't, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember the gap between Will and Grace when that show ended and then got rebooted for a couple of years. But that felt like, oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I sort of could get behind that one. That was at least 15 years. Okay. And Frazier's going to be 20. So it's been 20 years. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, well, I feel old now. <laughs> but up next, we are going to tell you about a new movie that landed on Disney Plus this week that I was actually shocked when I heard Jeff was watching it because I thought, that looks kind of scary. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and a new movie came out on Disney Plus last week that we both watched. It's called No One Will Save You. <laughs> There aren't really a lot of great clips from this one as there's almost no dialogue for the entire 90-minute running time. Caitlin Dever is the star of the movie. I know her from the movie Booksmart, which is excellent, and her role on season two of Justified. She was great on that show, so great that they did want to make her regular, but she was locked into uh, a contract with that Tim Allen show, Last Man Standing. So she couldn't do more Justified, which was too bad. It's right up there with uh, Tom Selleck couldn't do Indiana Jones and Pierce Brosnan couldn't be uh, James Bond in the 80s because of their TV contracts. Oh, well. But now Caitlin Dever stars in this, and it's mostly just her, so she really has to carry this movie. She plays a young woman who lives in a big country house just outside Anytown, USA, and she lives a solitary life. No one in town likes her, apparently, especially the chief of police and his wife. We eventually learn why. And she has no family. It's just her and her mom, but her mom passed away a few years ago, so now it's just Caitlin. And that's going to be a problem because aliens have landed and there's one walking around her house. Yeah, it's an alien home invasion movie. And the suspense I found to be incredible. It's mostly her trying to avoid the attention of the visitor at the beginning. It's And it's edge of your seat thrilling, watching her try to quietly move around the house, looking for a place to hide while the alien kind of snoops around in a general sense and then later in a very pointed sense as it hunts for her there are you know points later out uh later out in the town and in the woods and it's just her trying to kind of stay one step ahead of these things and the movie also drops in bits of information for us here and there to fill in her backstory and she delivers the whole performance without really saying anything it's, it's not a silent movie the sound design is very important but there's no dialogue so all the acting is facial expressions and body language and i thought she did a great job the special effects were pretty impressive as well besides some of the obvious stuff like maybe a ufo or whatever there's a lot of stuff flying around the house at times the alien has some version of the force it can use to move furniture and things and i have to assume a lot of it was practical effects kind of a throwback in that sense a lot of nods to other horror thriller and alien movies the shining nope et for example get very obvious homages as do i'm sure a variety of other movies probably freakier movies that i'm not aware of uh, i'm not a horror gore guy as we discussed last segment but uh, i saw this was rated p G13, so I figured I could handle it. And I could, sort of. It's very intense and suspenseful, like I said. Very effective at what it's trying to accomplish. There's nothing 
overtly disgusting or scary in it, but that suspense can be a lot. For me, it was almost too much. I kind of, I just hate the, uh, there's something in the house and I need to find it before it finds me kind of a thing. If it gets too intense and this was pushing the limits for me there again, very effective. Uh, the movie, you know, does what it sets out to do. It's just a clever story, well told, can't ask for much more. A great way to kick off Halloween season, I guess, as the calendar, you know, flips to October this weekend. It's the movie season that offers a scaredy cat like me the least. Uh, not sure how often I will actually rewatch this, but I am glad that there's kind of another entry in the scary movie category that I can handle. So I'm going to give No One Will Save You three and a half couch cushions out of five, Brett. And I would agree with that. I would give it three and a half couch cushions out of five. We can tell you that it's uh, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. This hails from Hulu. If you're curious, it's a Hulu movie, so those movies typically end up on Disney Plus in Canada. But it's interesting because right from the opening shot, there was something that stuck out, and I thought, is that is that supposed to be there, or is that just part of the, the landscape? Because it opens with this sweeping, beautiful shot of the aforementioned Anytown and her home, which is in a lovely spot, but there's this, there's this like, C-ring shape on the grass. Yes. And you wonder, is that natural? And so, like, immediately the, the tone has been set that there's something. Because you know going in it's about aliens. So right away you're kind of looking for those things. I didn't expect to see that so quickly. But, yeah, we I was so impressed with how much we learn about this character in, like, the first four minutes of the film. Lives in this big, neat old house near no one. It's a beautiful haven and sanctuary, almost like a fairy tale. She practices waving in the mirror, so clearly she's bad socially, socially awkward. She can't make up her mind on what to wear. Second guesses her decision. Again, another as another potential sign of social anxiety. Uh, she appears to have an online business making dresses for people, so clearly talented, but just shy and isolated, which is probably why she is flourishing by working at home because she doesn't have to go out into the world. Um, but I wonder, is this isolation a prison of her own making? Like, she's clearly not welcome in this community, so why not just leave? Well, maybe she was meant to stay. Super impressed with the the virtual lack of dialogue. I think she said the three words she says are like, yeah. oh, come on, when she's trying to open a window or something. But it's it you don't even see her say it. You can just hear it. Uh, so just an incredible performance from this young woman. Um, and the, the title is apropos. You know, No one will save you, fi- both figuratively and literally, given where she's located. Like, she's stuck there, and no one likes her. And uh, it, there was one point that where it felt like it was about to become Home Alone Aliens edition. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, uh, I won't, if you watch it, you'll probably be able to pick out the moment where it's like, okay, she's getting ready. Just so tense. Uh, one thing I, I wish they hadn't shown so much of is the like the close-up shots of the aliens. Because it was cool when they were sort of wandering around the house and you could see them in the shadows, but yeah. you couldn't quite see what they looked like. Or just her feet. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that. I wish they had held off a bit longer, but... It all makes way for, and I'm not going to spoil the ending. It's a weird ending. It's interesting. Not what I expected at all. Did you like the ending? I did like the ending only because leading up to it, I was like 
thinking, well, there's only one real way, realistically, this can go, and it's not going to be good. Yeah. And then they found a different way to go about it. So I was like, okay, it spared us of what I thought was going to be a tragic ending. So that's fine. All right. So I'm with you. Uh, three and a half couch cushions out of five. Entertaining. Not quite what I wanted, but the more I think about it, I really salute the wild swing that it took. So that's new on Disney+. Plus. Now let's switch from movies on your television to series on your television because one of not just the couch potatoes favorites but canada's favorites is back yeah it's survivor these 18 strangers have agreed to be abandoned in the islands of fiji I've been waiting a long time to step on this beach. They must learn to adapt or they'll be voted out. The game is more volatile than ever. In the end, only one will remain to claim the million dollar prize. I'm back, baby. Let's go! This is my bank out here. I can rob this bank. I can take from these people. If I make a million, I'm moving out of grandma's house. God, here we go. <laughs> Survivor 45 premiered this past Wednesday with its first 90-minute episode, which they will be doing all season long to fill some time in the scheduling holes left from the strikes in Hollywood. So far, no problem with the 90 minutes, but of course it was the premiere, and often those are two hours long, and they are, are, you know, the most people in the game that there will be, so the extra time spent getting to know the players was actually welcome uh, from me. Didn't feel... Too much like filler, but we'll see how that plays out over the season. I've always said a Survivor season's only as good as its cast, and I'm not quite sure what to make of this cast. I'm usually not one to quickly jump to kids these days, they're soft kind of thinking, but I couldn't help but think that watching one lady contemplating quitting after about being there for an hour and a half, uh, another guy who couldn't climb a ladder and then cried for three straight days about it, <laughs> And another woman who is maybe the most tone-deaf player I've ever seen. She was judgy and bossy and quick to point the finger and then tried to come off as some kind of victim or underdog or something. I don't know. She was irritating times 10, and she's got to go early, please. There's a guy named Sifu who seems like a fun player. Don't know about his gameplay yet, but he's having fun, and that was fun, kind of fun to watch. But the latter guy, I mean, that guy collapsed in a Peter Griffin-style heap two times during different challenges. <laughs> And each time I thought he was dead. And I mean, I get that the experience of Survivor is going to be a little harder than however hard we might think it is sitting here. Uh, but this guy should have been able to figure out that he was not cut out for this before he went. Uh, if you can't climb a rope ladder in less than 20 minutes, or if you immediately collapse in a heap the moment you have to exert yourself, just stay home. I mean, seriously, every contestant should at the very least go camping for a week beforehand just to see if they can withstand the absolute bare minimum of discomfort. Because I bet ladder guy couldn't last three days in a hotel <laughs> like they'd find him unconscious in the elevator passing out from anxiety after pushing the wrong button or something i don't know i was just my jaw dropped at this guy i couldn't believe him so i don't know what's up with this cast maybe it's too soon to draw conclusions but from the premiere it seems like it could very well be a very weird season but as long as it's entertaining that is fine with me i mean they're not all just going to be challenge monsters that's fine so long as it's entertaining if it gets weird, okay, so be it. But there were some people in here, I was just like, how in the world did you end up on Survivor? Yeah, this show continues to surprise me 45 seasons in because you referenced it, that character, uh, and you The you, annoying one. The, the annoying one. I think they managed to actually cast 
the most unlikable survivor <laughs> character ever. And, I, I, and I'm going to refer to, you can call them contestant. I like to think of them as characters because that's what they are. Yeah. Right? Like we're watching this show because you, you, you reference the cast. Why do we end up enjoying shows? Typically it's the characters in a show. The show can have the best plot ever, but if the characters are boring, you're probably not going to care. And so, so far already somebody to root against. Yep. And then something happened at tribal. We'll get into it. But something happened that I don't think has ever happened. I was genuinely oh, really? stunned. Like the big thing that happened? Yeah. I think that's happened a couple of times. But in this early? No, that's true. Yeah. So that I was very much surprised. And I'm glad that I, because I, I found myself sort of thinking the along similar lines of the, you know, where you referenced that you didn't want, you don't want to be the, the guys like the kids these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just noticed the, the, it's changed so much, not just in in the way that the, the 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 young people behave in terms of their discussions on anxiety and being supportive, and everybody's so positive, and there's no there doesn't seem to be any conniving yet. Everybody's very supportive of each other for the most part. Where I think back to the original seasons, they were everyone was out to get each other, yep. and this season, like they've gone out of their way to just bring in average people. Like it used to be lots of. Gorgeous people on these shows, and big and strong and muscular, and uh, they've sort of changed, and that's not a bad thing. It's just weird how this show has evolved, and is still super enjoyable. So Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on Global Television, and we are going to also tell you what's new this week coming up, and we just got to give you a quick peek at The Continental. We watched the first episode. Was it worth it? You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Just want to take a quick peek at some of the new and returning shows coming your way this week as we continue on with fall television. On October 1st, The Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, and Family Guy are all back on Fox for new seasons. NBC has a show called Found on October 3rd, also on October 3rd. Global gets another season of The Young and the Restless. October 4th, NBC brings back Magnum P.I. and Quantum Leap. The CW has Sullivan's Crossing and the Spencer Sisters. On October 5th, that's a busy day because on Netflix, we've got Lupin, part three. First two series or seasons of that show are cool. It's a show out of France about a master thief. Paramount Plus has something called Bargain. And on Max... Our flag means death. Yes. Is that the pirate comedy That's you like? That's the pirate comedy. It's on Crave as well. It's on the uh, Max in the States. So, yeah, it's funny stuff. Okay, so that'll be back on Max in the States and Crave in Canada. And then also on October 5th, season two of Loki mm. on Disney+. Plus. And uh, now we got to tell you about the show that we teed up last week. How was the first episode of The Continental? We're gonna take on the Continental. Every freak in that hotel will be after us. Well, that's lovely. We need guns. Lots of guns. So it's a three-part event. It's going to explore the origin behind the iconic Hotel for Assassins centerpiece of the John Wick universe through the eyes and actions of a young Winston Scott, who was played by Ian McShane in the John Wick movies. So, Jeff, what'd you think? I, 
enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I was very surprised. I liked it as much as I did, as uh, we mentioned last week. And every time a new John Wick movie comes out, there's business with the Continental and the Secret Society of Assassins and the High Table and the Marquee and markers and coins, yada, yada, yada. Not the most interesting part of those movies. We buy the movie tickets for the headshots and Keanu, but they actually made it pretty compelling. I thought the characters I found interesting. I'd say a few of them are more interesting than most of the folks we meet in a typical John Wick movie. And they talk like real people. I mean, well, real gangster people on TV, I guess. The dialogue in the John Wick movies is bad. Keanu's great. A man of few words is a perfect role for him. But when anyone else talks in those movies, it's usually kind of silly. In the Continental, I found it, you know, normal, again, you know, for TV gangsters. And I was kind of relieved by that. Uh, I thought the whole vibe was great. It's kind of a modern noirish thing. But still had some humor and some stylish camera work. The action, I thought, was terrific. Not quite on par with a John Wick movie, but of the same world and highly entertaining, both the close-up gun stuff and the car chases. Uh, I was into it. And uh, the episodes are 90 minutes, or at least this first one was. But there's a week between episodes, and it's only a three-episode kind of special event. So that was fine, the running time. Uh, I thought it was a little weird that so little of it actually took place in the Continental. And for a prequel about the hotel and the high table and all that, it's all already established at the beginning of the series, so are we going to need a prequel to the prequel? It's like on Lost, when they went hundreds or thousands of years into the past to give some of the history of the island, and people were mad because they didn't go all the way back to the literal beginning of the island. I mean, the Magic Island was magic, so that's the answer to all the Lost questions, so I don't know if we expected the Continental to be shown, you know, being built brick by brick from the ground up, but they do mention the hotel belongs to an organization that's older than any recorded history or something like that, so uh, I guess it's just got too much of a history to show the whole thing. The guy from Reacher is in it, the guy that played the small town cop, except uh, you mentioned in passing that they called him a teenager in this Continental show when he's obviously like 35 years old or something like that, it looks like. I don't know, between that and Ragnarok, it's like we've forgotten what teenagers look like. We're back in 90210 territory, I guess. Um, Mel Gibson's in this. His voice was jarring every time he spoke because he's trying to pull off some uh, real thick New York accent. Um, I, maybe he's just trying to prove he can still act in case anyone was wondering. Overall, though, good stuff, interesting, fun, better than I thought it was going to be, and I'm look forward, uh, looking forward to the remaining two episodes. That's it. We, all the time we got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.